Hey everybody, it's episode 96 of Unlimited Railworks Video Game Choo-Choo's Anime Podcast. 96, right? I'm correct? Is that correct? I think I'm right. Yes, you are definitely correct. That's crazy <laughs> still. That's still crazy. We're four episodes away from 100 and we still have to plan for that in some way. Mm-hmm. But we don't have to worry about that right now. What we do have to worry about is the fact that Maverick's here. Whoa, the hotshot over there. How's it going? Oh, hello, hello, everybody. It's great to have a full audience out there today. We have been a few good selection of friends talking about some uh, fantastic media. And you know, media is a very important thing to keep alive. And we'll get into that a little bit later. That's very true. Very true. I was almost expecting you to do the whole Rakugo tiles feel like, oh, you know. Podcasts were invented in 2004. <laughs> I was gonna, but like, I, I can't do that. Yeah, I know. Not on the fly like that. Yeah, what am I expecting? Come on. That's why it takes skill. Exactly. Takes a, skill takes like LVs. LV, you have a lot of skill. Oh, shit. I do, but probably not. Not for Rock Go, maybe. No, definitely not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not really that familiar with. Well, I'm familiar with Rock Go, but I, I, I can't say I'm an expert at it. Definitely not. No. It's, you know, it's, it takes, it takes a long time as we see with this old man, right? It took him like at least he's like, so old. yeah, yes. <laughs> he, now he's become the I oldest co- of them all. As he says, at the I end. quite frankly, quite frankly, I don't think I've seen an anime, um, or just, you know, experience a series like this in general that really, uh, follows a character to reach their fucking late early seventies. I think, I think it's early scoping 70s. out there. Like we saw him as a kid too. We saw this man's whole life. <laughs> it's a real crazy life too but we'll get into (laughs) that um john is not that crazy john's pretty normal hi john how's it going wow that's the first time someone said that about me that wasn't myself (laughs) normal to try to to try to like talk myself into thinking i'm normal um yeah folks rakugo what can be said about it that hasn't been said before probably not much because it's it's pretty simple but isn't that part of the beauty? Yeah. I mean, we were just talking before the show about the nature of it specifically as a work, like being very, like, like you know, there's basically Rakugo today in different forms, basically, like through YouTube videos and stuff like that, like you were explaining. <laughs> but Rose, why ever would we, we be talking so much about Rakugo? Well, it's funny that you say that, <laughs> but uh, we watched... A, an anime from, I believe it's tw- 20, 20... It's a 2016 hit. Yeah, 20, yeah. 2016. Yeah. Uh, which is Showa, Genroku, Rakugo Shinju, um, also known as Descending Stories. I think that's the second core specifically is called that, maybe. Something like that. Um, yeah, this is a, a series uh, ostensibly about Rakugo, but really about this dude who was a big Rakugo performer. Not real. I don't. Not in real life. Just like you know, he was and is in his old age, um, a Rakugo performer, and they really like describe the trials of being that in a post World War II. Um, a lot of it even takes place during World War II. Uh, world where it's like what how how much does the imperialization not like the 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 americanization there's the word i want to use of japan affect everything and affect the like tradition and like 
popular culture and stuff like that. And it gets into that a little bit. Also explores like, you know, generational trauma to an extent, like how, how old people affect young people, how traditions get passed on and a whole lot of other stuff. And we'll, we'll get to it over time. Uh, it really is a story about the oldest man, as we said, <laughs> the world's oldest man. Even when he was like 20 years old, he was the he oldest man. He was already man. pretty. <laughs> yeah. He um, definitely has seen the pterodactyl. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagining him sitting down on his little Rakugo uh, pillow and being like, have you ever seen a beast like this? <laughs> Wings holding his arms. And I was there. And then he just starts doing the voices. <laughs> just uh, Starts cawing like a pterodactyl. Yeah, yeah before I get into it. Struck the earth. Bye-bye, dinosaurs. <laughs> I will explain Rakugo a little bit. To, to, for people who don't know, like Rakugo yes. is the Japanese storytelling. Like it was very much like sort of, you know, like Manzai exists today as sort of a form of it, honestly. But it's like basically like a storyteller would come and they would have a story that they prepared and they would act it out by themselves, basically. And it's really fascinating to look into this stuff um, as just like a way of like you you totally get why it's like oh of course like this is just like a very like more active way of storytelling right like uh, there's plays and stuff that like, you can do but this is such like a specific thing that you're looking for you're seeing like these really talented people who are able to do their voice in all of these different ways and really paint a picture of this story to you through their exaggerated motions and voice pitch changes um I thought that all that stuff was really interesting to learn about here because I had never really watched much Rakugo stuff before this. Like, I didn't really know that much about it. But yeah, um, getting into this, I would... Um, let me see, let me see, let me see. Maverick, do you want to talk about this first? Yeah, um, I can uh, get a little bit into it. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts, yeah. Oh, no, so I had first watched this series, not as it aired, but I would say right after it finished... It was one of those things where in the midst of anime becoming a bit more more mainstream than it is, like than it was, and about where it is now. Like now getting to the point where, oh, what are sort of like these modern masterpieces that are coming out, or these things that could easily be forgotten about if you don't have someone banging the drum to say, like, no, this is good, just go watch it. It's different from what you're used to but that doesn't mean it's going to be bad and getting to experience uh, this one at the time i didn't fully absorb it and so getting the chance to rewatch it and really just put myself into the mind space of this being more of a generational story like we we talked about it a bit outside of the podcast that this isn't an actual story about rakugo so much as it is a story about someone basically contemplating their life as an entertainer. But at the same time, it feels like Rakugo is a medium where if you focus on it as your subject matter, that's kind of where you already have to go. Like, you know, Hollywood loves to make movies about Hollywood, and those end up being some of the best movies because it is just a look at the actual industry in a way that is reflective and just can be so critical 
in a way that you don't normally get. Or you have movies that are about cinema, but in a way that's, like, so different. And with Rakugo, it's definitely this focus on the fact that the stories that these performers tell have already been written. They're already laid down. They are responsible for memorizing, for being able to recite them for any given performance, to then be able to have their own character and inflection um, associated with them as well. There's this insistence on finding your own Rakugo, which not just in this show, I would say a lot of forms of the medium focus on this idea that you can find and imitate somebody, and that is perfectly fine. But if you want to call yourself a Rakuoka, like someone that is doing this performance for the sake of the art form, then you have to be able to take that next step and really just create your own identity in it. And we see that come up in this story of just the way that not only um, our initial like focal character, Yotaro, is sort of just like, yeah, dude, I was in prison because of some shitty crime stuff. Uh, your Rakugo referring to the oldest man, uh, you, <laughs> God, Yakumo. The Kikuhiku, Kikuhiku, and also Kikuhiko. Kikuhiko, and also Yakumo. Yeah, yeah. he becomes Yakumo. So, so, eighth generation yes. Yakumo. Eighth, 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 eighth generation Yakumo. Yeah. yeah. Formerly Kikuhiko. Again, we talk, like, we mentioned tradition. This is one where it's like there's a passing of names, there's a passing of lineage, there's this whole assembly to it. But basically, um, Yotaro is just like, oh, I don't have anything to my name. Like, this is, we refer to him as Yotaro. That's not even his real name, but his real name doesn't matter because it's the fact that he is, um, as the term Yotaro suggest, suggests, it's more of a term of endearment towards a fool or foolish character in Rakugo stories. And so this bumbling ex-Yakuza trying to get a an apprenticeship with like this known Rakugo who has never had any sort of apprentice. You already see the foolishness, but Yakumo's already endeared by that and takes him in. And everything feels fine up until Yotaro comes to find out about another old master in the form of Suke Roku, who is Yakumo's old partner, the person that he more or less promised to keep the art of Rakugo alive with. And that discovery leads us into what the actual show is about, or this core is about, which is the backstory of Kikuhiko getting into his relationship and friendship with uh, Sukeroku and just realizing that, yeah, like, the fact that Rakugo already feels like an old performance, you already see that coming in the way that, like, it was already on its last legs in the 50s. And they make... I, I really like the deliberate choice to focus in on specifically mid-war and post-war... Uh, development because I think you know similar to kids on the slope there's a lot of focus on the way that how that not only alters and affects Japanese history and culture but also like what ultimately gets reflected 
how people still find themselves in the midst of all this. And uh, Rakugo takes its own spin where a lot of the focus is this idea that, you know, this is a time-honored tradition. We have had these specific stories. We have had these specific forms and customs. And that is how we've survived so far. And this idea that, you know, now that we are having dwindling numbers per generation, what exactly do we need to do in order to adapt to the time, in order to really find ways to bring our uh, specific form of entertainment into the next generation and into the future? We mentioned a little bit about Monsai comedy. Like, I believe it's a throwaway line at one point that Monsai is also seen as sort of like this killer of Rakugo in a way. But that aside, I just think it's a really well done anime. It's a slow burn, but in a way that I definitely realized like six years ago, I would not have been as in tuned with it just because. Yeah, right. Even as someone who was like trying to get more to like long form prestige television or whatever, finding a serialized drama that I like stuck with was difficult. And so now that I've had time to just expand my palette a little bit and come back to this, I really got more out of it. And especially just this narrative of like, not only is Yakumo like the like the oldest man he's also just the saddest guy like <laughs> to to grow up in a geisha house as a guy and basically being told like the things that you're practicing are not gonna matter we're kind of just gonna ship you off to do something else that you might be good at and you know this well it, it also specifically he's he's disabled yes um i thought that was like a remarkable um thing that this is a disabled character and it was not at all something over yeah it wasn't the no reason, core but it very much plot, was, yeah. yeah but it very much was an important factor it was a problem for him but it wasn't propelled him yeah, yeah a problem yeah. with yeah it wasn't the problem with him if you didn't right, right and yeah. that's the thing oh too. absolutely i i think the implication very much he was going to be like an actor in like a kabuki you know which is dominantly also done by men like young boys portray girls in plays um but that fell off for him when he when his leg got messed up yeah yeah, like he would have been a dancer and that would have been fine but the fact that he was also still just learning these trades through an entertainment profession that he just was not applicable for if only because you know when we talk about geisha work that also relates to sex work escort work and i think like i, I just really appreciate shows that broaden that aspect of what people think about when it comes to Japan in that it's it can be a very sterilized look and this is at least another show that says like no like there's shit that's complicated as hell about what we do everyone here is a starving artist in their own way and it kills us all but we still do it because we don't know what else we can do mm-hmm. and it's such a I mean, it's a very bohemian lifestyle, for sure. But at the same time, like, I I don't think anything can really portray just this. It is difficult to portray the idea that, you know, whatever it is that you are learning, like, you are the last 
people who are keeping this tradition alive or keeping it to a specific level of expertise and excellence that people recognize as a renowned form. There's definitely, and sort of the um, issue that comes from Tsukiroku is the fact that, and people always state it, he does his Rakugo for the audience. He is very much a for-the-people individual. Never is about his appearance, is always unkempt, but, you know, it's anime, so he still looks hot when he does it. But it's this idea that, like, he is just the people's Rakuoka, and it doesn't matter to him the customs. He'll do, like, advanced plays and performances if the audience likes it. And as long as they're still applauding him and he knows that they have his support or that he has their support, then that's all that matters. Which is such like an egg to the face in the way that not only most of the Rakugo world is performing and just doing its customs, but also Kikuhiko is trying to find his own voice in the middle of all this and... It comes not sort of in trying to mimic this performance style that he's already had complicated feelings about, you know, being able to both hate and love something so intensely and realizing how much admiration you still have for it at the end of the day is sort of something that comes up where uh, Yakumo is really famous for his interpretation of more dramatic or erotic uh, stories. And a lot of that comes from sort of this just, you know, personal affectation. Like, he is a sad man, but that helps him make some, like, sad stories yeah. breathtaking. I think, um, actually, uh, LV, I'm, I'm curious to hear your sure. y- your thoughts on it also, because you outlined it a little bit talking sure. as well before. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's your, what's your um, and I'm 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 very familiar. I, I'm not. I actually did start the second season too, and oh, I nice. got really spoiled about what happened. So I'm like, oh, so I have that context. I think Chelsea <laughs> uh-huh. carry with me. Um, uh, I I I was surprised by how much I ended up liking this. At first, I also was like, okay, you know, it was just yeah, kind of going like yeah. it was very. It, it is a very slow show, uh, and then it really hits you. Or at least it, it tries to, you know, again, it might not hit for everyone, but it will really hit you um, processing like, okay, that's why the first episode is as long as it is. There is a really important reason why you needed to know that last story, um, Eight Generation Yakumo slash Kiko Hiko um, said. Um, the amount of symbolism and foreshadowing in the show is astounding. Like, and just knowing when it hits, especially when you finally reach the second to last episode and realize what did happen to Sukiroko and everyone, you know, like, uh, it's like, Oh, okay. And I rewatched the opening sequence and I'm like, Oh, okay. That's what that means. That's what that water means. I see. Um, like there's so much about this show that has layers of like, this is about a rock ago and we're kind of like being a little meta about it. We're also kind of like, doing these weird we're making these poetic decisions about these characters within an art that is about that is kind of like poetry in a way right um like you know again the, the whole thing with Yotaro um the Yakuza newbie who comes in seeking to be eighth generation Yakumo's uh, apprentice he you know we don't know his he, they probably do mention his real name I, but I don't remember it's not important like again he's another character in this whole cast 
just as uh, you know a rakugo uh, you know performer would you know have has to kind of play a whole cast by themselves on stage right um I, I think what's so fascinating to me about the show particularly is that no one in this cast is a good person at fucking all. Yeah. I think that's incredible. I think that's incredible that this was a show that was very uh, upfront, that every character here has a vice. And it really just hits me realizing now, you know, now we'll go into it. I have, because I personally had an issue with like a lot of the presentation with this show. Um, you know, we'll probably go into it. But for instance, like, you know, Yotaro, who is someone who is an ex, you know, Yakuza member who kind of wants to reform and realizes, you know what, I want to go, I want to get into this art. I want to be apprentice, I want to be the apprentice of this, like, Rakuga co um, performer I admire, you know, and he's entering this world, like, this pristine world that kind of has this veil over, like, oh, this is an art, you know, just like all the, the only the renowned are part behind this curtain and whatnot. And he breaks through it. He somehow breaks through it. Maybe out of pity, maybe out of, like, amusement. You know, again, it's still a little ambiguous as to what, you know, a generation Yakumo's intentions are, at, you know, within the first season, as, you know, before we go along, head, you know, head forward more with it. Um, but it is ironic that an ex-Yakuza member is going into this renowned, supposedly pristine, clean world of, like, this beautiful art, only to, only for the series to unveil that none of these people were good. All of these people had some sort of, like, you know, guilt to them, some sort of, you know, and, 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 you know, and that's most, again, present with the saddest man in the world, Yakumo, <laughs> who, who blames himself for a lot of things that has happened in his past life and who may, nonetheless may have been complicit in a lot of things. You know, we see that in the present day and try not to go further in, but we see that in the present day with his relationship with Konatsu, the one, uh, uh, um, Konatsu, um, his, who, who he's a legal guardian of, for his, you know, you know, we as we as we slowly discover, you know, she she is not his daughter, but he is someone he was in doubt, you know, doubt to take care of, and she herself kind of is exists there to challenge what are the patriarchal issues in something like Rakugo and something like Kabuki and something like just the general unfortunate history behind a lot of traditional performing arts in Japan and a lot of like the sexist barriers and yeah. lines there are, and I, you know, I th- and you know, yeah, yeah. I think that's really interesting. Uh, that's the biggest thing that I took out of this overall is like, there's this real like undercurrent throughout. Um, yes. About in regards to class and gender. Uh, gender specifically. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And class as well. Definitely. But mm-hmm. like, this idea of like like obviously Kikohiko himself like he was he wanted to be a dancer right he liked that yeah he, he that was the things he liked so he was stuck with Rakugo which was something he never even wanted to do um and he he, he like warps his brain around this idea that it's like as he becomes more confident in Rakugo and stuff it's because he's acting more feminine and using the stuff that he learned from mm-hmm. geisha stuff that he always wanted to do originally and it's really interesting to see like this there's this real like thing with his relationship with um oh my god i can never remember it it's uh miyokichi is that it yeah miyokichi yeah. yes and there's this real like undercurrent of just absolute what's the word i want to use like jealous not jealousy like Gender envy, almost. Yes. Of yeah. Like, are, you are living uh, the life yeah. I would like to. A- absolutely. There, there. It's interesting. Again, like I, I, I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty fun, like watching and connecting a piece of media that is not that old, but old enough that um, seeing 
the commentary, you know, when it first came out and you know whatnot, like to it and just kind of reading back on that. And like, there definitely is this undercurrent too of like a lot of people who interpreted, you know, AJ Generation Yakumo as a coded gay character potentially, um, which I think, um, which, you know, again, it's not, you know, well, here's, yeah. here's a funny but, little part yeah. of that is again, well, like, I know the author, she, the author is, I'm yeah, sorry, not she, but they, yeah, yeah I don't they, know what their gender, I, but I like think they, 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 yeah, they, they have written BL. So, there is kind of like this like subtext yeah. there that is very apparent. And I think, but, yeah, I, I think the, like, uh, well, obviously like the, that stuff feeds into how he treats Konatsu later. Oh, absolutely. On, of like a, obviously he hates Rakugo still, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's just in him as this thing. And it's like, but also this idea of, he thinks that he's trying to like protect her almost from mm-hmm. like this world when it's just like, he is just being the same. He's, he is repeating the cycle because that's right. what this patriarchal like, yeah. viewpoint is still, leads to. You know, yeah, he, he is doing something he, he didn't think he himself would have done in the past where he was pretty ostracized in a lot of ways he could not, you know, convey and, you know, express um, but, you know, now still to this day putting his foot down where like, hey, I've been raising this, this young girl, you know, now, now an adult woman, like, and this whole time I could have like helped her take the reins on because she, and like, you know, once you find out, like she passionately is into Rakugo yeah. herself and he could have easily mentored her, but he, for some reason fell into, again, the same whims of the cycle of like putting his foot down and be like, no, Rakugo is only for men. Yeah. Um, this is a man's world, and you know when we when we go through his story for real and see that in full detail, we we truly see that rear its ugly head. Yeah. Um, also, the fact and, and very particular too would like what set the rift between him and um, yes, Suki Roga, who who again also like he inherited that name from like th- both of their respective master, who also was Suki Roga, the Suki Roga before them. And also, you know, also them kind of like as they grew older, they see like the flaws in, you know, their, you know, again, their master who, again, yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole convoluted human drama. Yeah. And, the, the, and that's how they end up like kind of familiarizing themselves with Mio, Mio Kichi, who was a geisha and she was unfortunately not <laughs> in her sector of society. She was not treated well as a woman. She was a geisha, but at the same time, she was being used as like a mistress and all these other things. That said, I did have, like, a little issue with her character where I felt like she was very, um, you know, one note in a way. That's what I was going to say, is you can tell this author is a yaoi artist just by (laughs) virtue of how that woman is written. It's like, oh, how dare she get between the two guys? Yeah, and I know they do more later from what I've heard. They absolutely do. And, you know, but it it does, like, there were were elements to her that felt very, like, the classic scorned lover, you know, angry woman. But at the same time, I think it's, like, less of an issue because of the context of the setting we're in. The context of, like, we are seeing this through a, a particular perspective as well. Yeah. So it's not something I can fully fall. And which, again, I think feeds back into, you know, Yakumo is a full-on person and has his own biases and his own, like, warped perspectives on how things were. So no doubt he perhaps, like, villainizes this woman in his memories. But at the same time, we see kind of the truth reveal itself and as to what happened to her. But that said, um, uh, I yeah, it's it, it's such a it's such an interesting interwoven series of like all these different things I did not expect. Um, uh, I did mention it like you know a little bit, but like it, it does remind me a lot of like March comes in like a lion's own approach when it comes to the fact that the kind of activity that the story is revolving around isn't quite the main focus, and it's really used as like a foundation to kind of 
you know, like unwind this whole complicated human drama around it instead and to kind of use it to, you know, especially narrow in on a particular character's psychology and inner, you know, inner workings as well. Yeah. It's, um, you know, actually, John, I want to, uh, what is your talk since we kind of just been going crazy no, over no, here? it's all good. So, um, I, I, I took like a few notes here. Let me pull it up here. Like, basically, my big takeaway is that it, it feels like, a, it feels a bit unfinished in that, yeah, like, we were talking about how, like, oh, th- this should have just been, like, a two-core show instead of being two seasons. And, yeah, absolutely. It mm-hmm. feels like yeah. it just kind of, like, ends and that there's so much more that they need to talk about. And the way that the show is cur- is set up, it is so baffling that they even did the, like, more modern stuff at all. Because... Mm-hmm. 95% of the show is about the flashback and the modern stuff doesn't really feel like it matters until right at the end. Mm-hmm. And they very easily could have just put the stuff that was at the front at the end and set up or even season. just had less, less of it at the beginning. Like have yeah. this like a cursory introduction or something like that. And then... yeah, like a bookend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like the fact that they put like a very large amount of that, in that first episode, because yeah, the first episode is like feature length. Um, if if you're watching the the quote unquote the true version of it, it it's just it, it's a very baffling way to to make a show. Um, I will say that I feel like some of the drama feels like they were kind of setting it up, but then don't really go through with it. Like, um, it, it felt like they were setting something up with them, like you know, the, with their master not wanting, uh. Not wanting them both to get promoted, and then they just both get mm-hmm. promoted. Uh, there's, you know, for for a while there's some back and forth about inheriting the name, and then, you know, for a while that kind of just doesn't really go anywhere. But then I do feel like that did that did go somewhere by the end of it. Um, but I would just say that like some of the some of the drama here does feel like it's it's lacking a little bit of bite. Um, you know, like I I would have loved to have you know, maybe just gone in a little bit more about the characters' emotions based on, like, how they're feeling about each other um, progressing uh, as it's happening and not really just kind of put it all at the end. Because I felt like, yeah, I felt like the ending was very strong and it wrapped things up really well. But for the most part, like, the beginning, like, half of it, I was just kind of like, all right, sure. This exists. It's happening. I'm I'm watching it, but then it started to come together, and I I did I did start to enjoy it. Um, my my, my take was that I I do kind of wish that this was maybe a movie or even two movies or an OVA or something, like something just a bit more trimmed. You know, like like yeah, I don't want to trim everything because some of it is just for the flavor, and that is important as well to have these characters do things to endear endear or frustrate or both uh that is important but i do still feel like some of the stuff is just kind of circling the drain um there's definitely this portion where it's like i feel like my one of my problems like don't okay so i love slow burn extremely slow burn is like my number one thing in this world (laughs) as indicated by all these long things i like but it's like 
there is this problem where they do waste a lot of time. Like, I think there is this way that, like, specifically when I think about it, I think about when the Master and Sukuroku go to Manchuria, right? And that, it's that, like, that is that is a hundred percent what I was going to mention. Like, yeah, that, just that, circling the drain with Kiku, where it's like, okay, yeah, we, why did we need a we get it? You know he's sad. Yeah, it's like you know he's sad. This sucks. Yeah, it's like we <laughs> we get it. Like they don't even explore like what it was like for him to be in a factory or like how that affected oh, him yeah, doing Rakugo so stuff all the way. Like, yeah, they they like it really is just felt completely detached. Yeah, like the but, whole but, thing was on pause, but then they spin like a whole episode on it. It's like, yeah, yeah. There's like, and his nothing. old girlfriend that doesn't even do anything. Like, yeah, they, like, they, they just have like, why did this even, though. I don't know. It, yeah. It, I just feel like there could have just been like a little bit more there. And like, I, a little I definitely bit more think, here yeah. It, w- with the fact that like, I still feel like, again, um, Originally, this was a or the first episode, as it aired, was like forty-seven minutes, and mm-hmm. then the Blu-ray version is an hour and twenty minutes, and I still feel like they could have added more to that goddamn first episode, because <laughs> they just nailed such a pacing to it. I definitely believe the rest that like it, it could have had twelve episodes. Like, I, I definitely agree that there is some stitching that could have been done to at least, like get through some of the parts that maybe didn't need to be as elongated. Because it, it's like, I think about it from the perspective of him doing storytelling like Rakugo, right? Like mm-hmm. to Konatsu in the modern day. And this being like that sort of thing. And it's like, in his Rakugo story, would he really talk about that part? Where he just fucked around for like a year and a half or three years or whatever it was? Like... Would he really be like, I need to tell you about this? <laughs> like, <laughs> it doesn't feel like like it has intent or purpose in like the later stuff that goes on. Like, yeah. I don't need to know that he he hates women. Okay, like I get that from the other <laughs> stuff that he's doing later. No, right? yeah, I, like, I, I, yeah. For for looking back on it, and you know, John Green's a great point of like circling the drains specifically in that phrase. Like, it does like a lot of parts where, um, really, re- you know, really reassess- reaffirming that like, okay, these two men had a, had a great friendship but then it spends too much time showing wow look at them they love each other so you know like like too much i think i don't weird weird to say like they had to trim the slice of whites part life parts a little more than there it felt like there was like you know looking back it felt like there was like a lack of trust in the audience to know like these people love each other very much and now they don't so we have to show you that many times just so you get that emotional stake yeah Um, and and again i I don't i don't want all of this stuff to be trimmed a hundred percent but yeah, like it is the very specific stuff where it feels like the story just like comes to a halt, and mm-hmm. it's it, it it. I think the like writer or whatever felt like this was important to talk about because like yeah, like the the, the travel the travel part was absolutely to kind of try to like uh you know like show that they are in a certain time in a certain place like this this is during the war in Japan, but. You know, like it didn't really. F- it doesn't feel like it affected them that much. You know, like they, like yeah, like they had to go travel to do some performances, and but like at the end of the day, they just kind of come home, and that's it. Like they're just like yeah, we we went and did some performances. Yeah, like you know, here's, you know, I I I you know the 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 master is a little bit more proud to show me off, and you have, 
you know your your girlfriend that you hate because you hate women but like it's that i i don't think that was enough for an entire episode of just like sitting yeah there. but um yeah i think I I, I I i at the end of the at the end of the show i did end up really liking it and i i, I like yeah. like you said and i think some other people have said like i'm probably gonna watch the second up ep- the second season because like you know uh, and i've again, heard it's really good also yeah. so it feels like it has set up enough now to make me interested in these other characters but it's so weird that it's like structured the way that it that it was at first and yeah like it definitely feels like this second half of the show is going to be way better because it's they they have gotten the they've gotten the the they've gotten the drain out of the way we are just we are we are fl- flowing now this feels like an actual flowing current so I'm appreciating that. Yeah. Um, I didn't know until looking all the stuff up that this was Studio Dean. And let me tell you, what a journey those guys have had. They, <laughs> I think, like, like, like before, John, you, you were complaining um, in, in the group chat about, like, the animation and stuff, which I understand to an extent. But this is, like, honestly, like, insanely good by Dean's standards, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, like, you look I, at I was... Log Horizon and stuff like that, like, it's not exactly a punchy... Yeah, that was another thing, and, like, no, I, I don't think it's badly animated, Yeah, but bad's it... not, like, just uh, not it, enough for what it, you'd want. It was just one of those things where, like, again, where I was thinking, like, if they did trim some stuff and they did make it a shorter thing, they could probably spend some more of that money on making the animation better, and, like, I was just imagining, like, oh, like, they, they could just, like, have, like, a Rakugo performer come in and, like, rotoscope them or something. Because, yeah, like, there's times where they show a little bit of the movement that goes into a Rakugo performance. But, like, if you go onto YouTube and look it up, yeah, like, like they, they do show a bit of the main character, like, getting into character. Like, when he's, like, switching between, like, a male and a female character. Like, he, he like, hides his uh, hands and, like, does a bit more of, like, a demure yeah. pose and all that. But... Like, Suke Roku doesn't really do that at all, and, like, maybe that's, like, part of his, like, f- part of his character, but I would love to just, like, see him being, like, boisterous and moving around a lot and using his prop and, like... Yeah. Like, like that, that would add a little bit more to his character, and, you know, like, yeah, he, like, the voice acting is great, and... Yeah. Like, I just, I just wish that they could, that they could have gone a little bit harder in that regard... Um, yeah, I I think like like I said before, I think also there's there's a part part where where when uh, he's listening to Sugoroku's story and he visualizes it in his mind the uh, like the snow and everything and this cabin and it's like this visualization like this is great like they should have used that more because that's mm-hmm. like the whole point of Rakugo is to like they're telling you a story and it's like ideally right you'd close your eyes and just imagine what's happening. Yeah, I, I like 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 part of it must have been you know animation uh, stand like setbacks, but like I I'd, I'd have to imagine that maybe they didn't want to piss off any rock go performers by being like you yeah. see we're we're making your stories better by having an actual visual aspect to it instead of just being like yeah this is like because you know that's not what they're trying to do they're trying to be like yeah we are like this is this is how your words work people are imagining your stories because you're telling such a wonderful story in a wonderful way and you know like yeah like they could they could show that with animation because they are adapting something and it's respectful not like being disrespectful to the story but yeah they do it like 
like three times in the entire show and like most of the time it's just it's very light it's like oh they're telling a story that takes place at nighttime so like they'll dim the lights a little bit basically or they'll like show a moon or something and that's it and it's like y'all could have really gone for it here you know like <laughs> i think they yeah. could have but again i i feel like it's a focus of intent and <clears throat> for the most part like rakugo shinju definitely goes for the more subdued aspect of rakugo like eventually this is not a show about rakugo like you all said this is a show about these characters and their rakugo is like their motivation so i yeah or it's like get um, it but like oh man it would have been kind of interesting to see a show that had that as like a rakugo thing too you know no i mean if you want visualized aspects of rakugo explained in a way that feels very much like a shonen uh anime not like in a shonen non-derogatory like actually just mm-hmm. wanting someone to get invested in what the actual performance art is then check it like eventually when akane banashi gets its anime adaptation that is gonna be all over it going mm-hmm. in on not just specific like key animation but also probably you know having those visual elements and just really getting into this idea of how how do you present a story when you are just the vocal part of it? Mm-hmm. But for here, yeah, I think, like, if anything, I appreciate that for some episodes, you did just get the entire vocal performance of a Rakugo story. And that helps to at least, tune, like, attune you to what, necess- like, not that it's, like, groundbreaking Rakugo, but more so getting a feel for, okay, what is different between uh, Kiko Kikuhiko when he is younger and starting out, and then what is there in his performances later on? Like, I'm glad we were able to just have a full, like, five to ten minutes of him just bombing his first performance. Because mm-hmm. you feel that. And I, I think... The subdued nature of it, ultimately, is what helps. It It is very much a slow burn. Like I said before, like I needed to give Rakugo Shinji some time to really like marinate in the back of my head mm-hmm. before getting back to it. Even as someone that like started for a few episodes of season two, when that aired in like 2017, I was still just kind of like, uh, I don't know. But now I'm definitely ready to go and just blast through that because I'm just like, oh, this is good. Like, this is really good character work. Let me, let me just say here, I don't know if this is maybe, uh, maybe uh, too much, too much sharing here, but, uh, I will just say I am very glad that I started taking Adderall like as you we were watching this because like I, <laughs> you would not be able to pay attention. Yeah, yeah I get for you. sure. It, yeah, I'm like no, I, I totally I get it. Now. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, me also like I, that. That is absolutely the problem I ran into. Where if I had not been watching it with Robin, I would not have been able to make it through those first few episodes. I think like I think I would have been fine for the movie, but like the first few episodes absolutely would have been like mm-hmm. what happened? Huh? What? I think I think honestly truly there was just like not a, I I think they just did not have a confident sense of direction on how to depict something like this, like something that is so 
you know, d- dependent on being seen live, like uh, on a live, per- you know, a live performance mm-hmm. is never the same when translated in different medium, no matter, no matter how good the adaptation is, but it, it, the intention was to see this live with a live person. Um, you know, and I'm going to cite my, somebody I'm more familiar with, which is Kabuki theater. The Kabuki sequence was awful. I'm sorry. I'm saying that <laughs> with like utmost, like, okay, maybe that's bad. Maybe that was saying it out of like, there's awful, is too strong, but I felt like, and again, this is perhaps because it's coming from someone who is more familiar with Rakugo and not Kabuki. So, you know, mm-hmm. they were just, you know. Um, but for instance, Kabuki theater is very much, you have to see the entirety of the stage. And the Kabuki sequence, which I thought was a great sequence in that it shows how artists have to fucking jump jobs all the time yeah. to make a living. And, you know, which which ties into when Eiji Alkuma was, you know, much younger. Again, the whole thing was a flashback. But also showing how he had to bust tables and be a waiter at the same time, despite the fact that he was already pretty successful and had a steady Rakugo career. But he still had to do different gigs and also had to, like, also do... And, you know, he had to do something like Kabuki to, like, make good ties with the other, art, like, performer in arts in that area and make connections, um, you know, and for that, and for, for, for him to be kind of, like, a celebrity guest, so to speak, in this performance was a, was a good, was a good, you know, check for him to get exposure, essentially. Um, but the Kabuki sequence was, like, treated in a very weird way, I personally, that where they kept, you know, there was, like, there was, like, the soundtrack over that whole sequence. It kept cutting away. And perhaps because that sequence was not meant to be, like, overemphasized, like, which, again, the main point of the series is Rakugo, so it was not the main focal point. Um, but it, it definitely did not portray Kabuki in a, in, a, in a way that I felt, like, was very fateful to how Kabuki should feel. Um, that said, it also does tie with the issue, which, again, goes back to the issue of, like, the depiction of women here, which is both, like... S- s- like relevant to like yeah ab- about the series th- that is exploring sexism in this particular art and in this kind of world but at the same time perhaps like just the weakness in the writing and direction where the women were just probably not written well too and just needed a little more oomph to them to like kind of be a little more well-rounded and less one note where i wish there was also more when it came to the exploration of geisha you know i felt like the only the only side we saw to geisha was sadly you know the stigma of the sex were tied to it i didn't i we didn't see much in regards to the actual like face of like yeah. geisha geisha performance and like why is it well respect you know what i mean so I, I think there truly was just a limitation in like the vision for like how they wanted to depict these things which again is hard you know like i said these are this these are different art forms meant to be seen live and meant to be seen intimately and not necessarily animated right mm-hmm. That's fair. I, I think, like, in specifically in reference to the Kabuki section, I don't mind it if only because, like, it sort of it sort of implied that it is like the fraternity, like college, like mock oh yeah, play. absolutely. So, <laughs> like, like it's rough if only because of the fact that yeah, like they're doing this to scrap a little bit more money, get their names out there, like. They're getting introduced into the stage as like, oh, look at it. It's our guys. It's the Urakate. Let, like, <laughs> like, oh, I know him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you've never really seen it. And, and I think the fact that they refer specifically to it as like Rakugo play rather than full on yeah. Kabuki. But I definitely get where it, it's this focus. And I guess I think part of it is just the difficulty to necessarily describe Rakugo with, by itself without having to pull from all these other variations on 
entertainment, on performance. Like, it's difficult to just talk about Rakugo in a vacuum. Because at that point, you're just talking about the stories and then the presentation or playoff on what's there. But then part of it is having to talk about, like, oh, yeah, you know, if you see it live, it's such an experience. Kids with the television these days, they can't really get that there. Maybe you can hear it from the radio and you still get some of that distinction. But you got to go to a theater and watch it live. Like, it's weird that... As soon as industrialization, like, began in Japan, you also just see Rakugo not just in the lens of what it is as a performance piece, but also just you see it in the conversation of how close is it to basically becoming lost media. It's, I think, like there is an angle of me that wishes that there was more time spent with the old people, like the master and the president mm-hmm. uh, specifically, mm-hmm. where it's like, we hear um, Sukuroku's like takes about like Rakugo needs to change and stuff like that. And obviously Sukuroku believes that there should be traditionally a Rakugo and new Rakugo like he does or whatever, like more audience focused and driven like that. But it's like, I think there needed to be like a lot more like I think what's there is just fine, but there really should be have been like more of a talk with this generational stuff like besides just like the sexism that goes from like that that's so ingrained into Yakumo Kikohiko. It's like you want to hear about like how these old men and their ideas of how you have to do things very specifically in face of this war changing. Mm-hmm. I think, like, this war changing everything, like, there's just too little of it. There should have been a lot more, I think. And I think that would have... But that's that's to make the show about Rakugo, right? Which is not. Like, it's about mm-hmm. these people. But I think that would have been an interesting, like, little bit of flavor to throw in. Was just, like, more about the old men. More about how these old men are causing these problems. Like, how the master not wanting to actually have an open back and forth with Sukuroku. And just always wanting, like, like failing to see him as his own person to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would have been more interesting. I really like, I think when this show really turned around for me was that scene where it's like when Sukuroku leaves and he says something like to, to, to fucking Kikuhiko, like you, you, everything was so easy for you. <laughs> All that stuff. I think that was like when I really got into it, I was like, Oh man, like this is really about these characters specifically. And it really interesting, like really interesting to see like, all of these different perspectives through this one perspective, like how he mm-hmm. saw it himself and stuff like that. I, I really, I, I really did like this show quite a bit. I think I, I'm shocked. There is not more like it. I know people talk a lot about like high schooler media drowning out everything and being too much. And this is the first time I've really been like, damn, they're right though. Like for real, like mm-hmm. we need more old men stories or even just like 30 year old men stories. Like that's what most of the show is, right? It's mostly them in their like twenties and thirties. Mm-hmm. And that's like inst- instantly you get access to a range of activities and like emotions that they just do not put into that stuff. But also, I would like if it was all about old men. I think that would be great. 
<laughs> well, we do have a uh, an opinion sent in. All right. And again, if you want to send in an opinion, a question, etc., etc., you can go to videogamechoochoo.tumblr.com slash ask. And here we go. Uh, Sensory Punk, your, uh, your, 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 your current roommate, Rose. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, you're, you're, you're very good friends. Um, <laughs> uh, Robin sent in a question. Uh, rewatching Rocky Go for the first time since it aired. I had forgotten a lot of specific details, but the, char- but the character drama and voice acting were still just as top-notch as I re- recalled. The only failing with this show is how, be- because the focus is on the male fraternity, the women characters get a lot less development. Some of that and other odd details do get fixed in the second season, as Konatsu gets more screen time, and we see more proof that he was portraying the girl's dead pa- uh, th- that the main character was portraying the girl's dead parents very sympathetically when telling her the story about their life. I'm very interested to see if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that probably, right? Like, it's very romanticized. Mm-hmm. It's a story, I'm you know? Not... He's being a storyteller. Yep, he is. He's telling it, yeah, the way he thinks that she'll want to hear it. Mm-hmm. I think that was also a really interesting part of it that I, I hadn't really considered about Rakugo specifically. It really is fascinating to... to for them to talk about like i loved the map the way the master told this story and mm-hmm. i like yours for a completely different way and i think that that was really cool to think about like with that specific art form right because it's just yeah. like we have adaptations done by different people and that's that's interesting in its own right but something specifically like that like how a story can become funny and then how another storyteller can make it sad mm-hmm. instead yeah like I mean- it's so interesting the best thing I can think of is the fact that, like, when you see an actor's performance for a specific role, or I think about this more with um, theater productions or Broadway productions, where you do see people comparing and contrasting performances of, like, you know, who does a solid version of, like, Jean Valjean? Who does a solid version of The Phantom? What do they bring? What do they add? Mm-hmm. Or what do they detract that might be different? And then to expand that conversation you also have this idea of like oh you know what does this person do in the film version that um exists in comparison to the live stage production which is its own sort of like uh discourse to go about but yeah like i don't know it's cool to recognize that these are just the set stories that are available or have been available, but the key difference is how exactly people go about telling them. And that is such a specific detail to attention that I think the fact that we're still able to discuss it to an extent definitely shows just what is there when it comes to discussion of craft. I also think it was really interesting when they talked about the forbidden Rakugo that the, the that they all banned <laughs> because they thought that it was like it wasn't appropriate anymore or whatever. Oh, yeah, and yeah. It's like, it, it's really interesting. I like that specifically because it's just like a lot of people really like, <laughs> I don't know, like most people seem to think like, you know, the wokeification type bullshit or whatever, like, oh, you know, like it, this has been going on forever. People always just decide like, hey. We're not going to do this anymore for various reasons, and they're wrong or right, you know, like. Yeah, that specifically being a case of more or less like censorship 
under like new regime, new government and stuff. Government. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which like it, when it comes to fighting of censorship, because ultimately, you know, it can lend itself to being more destructive against like marginalized groups or voices or mediums. There is also the fact that like advocating for the freedom of performance and expression doesn't necessarily mean you have to like accept all of it but at the same time it's having to at least argue the fact like no we should still be able to have these stories available these are time-honored traditions that we want to still have around because they are good stories or you know we know people that are able to to full to perform them so well, like literally, uh, Yakumo's learning how to be the horniest man so that he could be <laughs> able to like do these, and then they just get banned, which is just such a. I, I I could get like, again, this man hates Rakugo, but like he in a way that is like it makes sense, and the opening, finally having subtitles for the opening just made so many things click, in terms of the fact that. One, it's produced by Sheena Ringo, which I had no idea. It fucking... It sounds very much like a, a song she would sing, but she's mm-hmm. not singing exactly. it. Exactly. So. Different Megumi. performer, but yeah. 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 Compose. Yeah. But two, like, this dichotomy of love and hate not being separate, but just, mm-hmm. like, extensions, both just, like, very extreme extensions of just, like, the emotion you can have for somebody. It's such a pivotal part of this whole thing you know it's as we keep saying this isn't a story about rakugo i would say it's just a story of like learning specifically how to love somebody for the first time and how to hate somebody for the first time yeah definitely i am thinking about like it really is true like the they're all the yaoi this is exactly how yaoi artists right make women every single time is it's like just this very i was thinking of not just not just miyokichi but like specifically the master's wife who yes never does anything and then it's like he leaves and she just like doesn't eat food like or anything sad. and everything yeah. and it's just like yeah. and then she's fine just again and never referenced character. again because yeah because yeah. it doesn't matter right it's just like it doesn't matter I'm curious to see how Konatsu goes and see because like, even even Konatsu becoming like pregnant at the end of the series mm-hmm. is very much me going like mm, making a face at you writer like I don't know <laughs> like is that all a woman can be to you? <laughs> she certainly uh, does become super important like mm. as as it's pretty much alluded to like of course like it's the whole thing with her very complicated. Um, if not very tumultuous relationship with, you know, the man who ended up raising her, you know, Yakumo. Um, but for sure, it does, like, I think on top of, like, it going back with the sort of, like, choice of presentation and direction issues, it is a little weird, too, that just, like, you, you experience this whole, like, man's life, and then this, this woman comes out saying, I'm pregnant, when the last time we saw her... And the whole series was her just smoking up. It's just hanging out. Screaming. And like, yeah, just like, like, I want to. Yeah. yeah. And now she's suddenly demure and like, oh, I guess I got to be a mom. You know, like, what happened? I mean, that, <laughs> Which again, yeah. the, season, the season, the second season does go into that. But right, it is a weird choice of direction where the second season has to kind of do weird mid-cool stuff because of that, actually, too. In a way, in a weird way of kind of 
just going back in time, you know. But no, yeah, it is. It is a little. <laughs> yeah. But like, like the it, yeah, it's just that specifically. Like, I, I really like the, the main character's misogyny. Like, like, that's an insane thing to say. Right, but it's I, like it part makes of it. Sense, but at the same time, it's, it's like, like <laughs> a really interesting thing to explore. Like it. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything, it's just yeah, like, like if you're gonna have just like one season to throw your pitch, I think having that backstory as just the backbone is the way to do it. Instead of trying to necessarily combine it with the descending aspect, which, you know, the second season is more specifically about, oh God, uh, Yotaro now is actually like the third, or will be trying to become the third generation Sukeroku. And sort of just like, which is a fun little um, twist at the end, because Yakumo is just like, oh fuck. Oh no, come on, don't do me like this but also now the story is just like okay you know we're late 70 and i think that is what like it's just inadvertently it just does such a good job to set up this second season where we have seen like mid 40s late 50s um americanization and now we're just gearing into late 70s early 80s and so not only are we trying to see what this medium is going to look like as that bubble period is going to start to ascend, but then also it is just like the fact that technology is advancing, customs are changing, things are getting so different that how is, you know, the way that we frame uh, Yotaro Sukeroku, like, how is this one guy going to be able to basically keep the culture alive now that we've learned how it more or less came down to two people and then it came down to one again for a while. Mm-hmm. It's good. I hope that this will finally be the one where we get to like two episodes from now and we're like, yeah, we're, we've all watched some <laughs> finally. Cause I feel like every time we get stuck being like, yeah, we're going to watch it, but this time for real, I'm going to watch this shit. <laughs> it's been sitting in my queue for a while. I might as well. Yeah. The real show now. Uh, that was whatever. Show. I don't know what I would name that story, but it'd be something. I always like that. That was the, that was our Rakugo show. Yeah, that was our. Rakugo. And you know we're kneeling and then we bow uh, down. By the name. Thank of, you for listening. Uh, a little story by the name of uh, the four podcasters. <laughs> the four podcasters. <laughs> what's the, wait? So what's our? Is that the? No, but then what's our collective? Are we a group? No, or do no, we have no, a, a little name banner on the side? What what does it say? <laughs> yeah, the story is the four podcasters. Oh, our, got it. our group. Um, hmm. I don't know. It has to be something like fancy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. like. Uh, watch out! Uh, here comes our fifth friend. Actually, it's Jugumo Jugumo Gokonosukurike. And there he goes. Classic. <laughs> Thank you. Good work. Wow. Good work. Good work. Thank you for your service. Uh, <laughs> actually commits an entire arc about why that story is supposed to be funny, how people can't make it funny, 
and then how the main character actually manages to do it in a way that the guy is like, oh, fuck, you're really giving me a hard time with how good you <laughs> are. <laughs> um, Alright, uh, boys, do you want to talk about your Dragon Balls? Boys do you want night. to talk about your superheroes? You, you know, uh, jo- John especially had like an insane experience. So real quick, I do just want to ask though, LV, did, did you see oh, yeah. it? Because you are, you are. I have not been able to see it. Wow. Oh my god! I, I'm, yeah, I, I hope you can, because you know, I know you're a big. I know I do. Uh, Absolutely. But I mean, it took me a while to even see Brawly too. It was just a matter of like, I, I don't, I just don't want to go to the theater. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, it's okay if it's. It was always around like a circumstance. Like, I couldn't see Brawly when it like that, that fresh week. I had to like wait a bit before I was free enough to do it. Um, but yeah, well, I was able to see it at some point. Well, if it's like Brawly, then it probably got uploaded to Pornhub or something. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> I could probably just you know. Uh, no, yeah. th- there was a th- no, there was a hot minute. I think when like the Blu-ray launched for Brawly, that it was just up on YouTube. Like someone had just uploaded mm-hmm. it on YouTube, and it was there for like right. months. <laughs> and no one noticed it was so out. weird Absolutely. yeah like i mean people were just right. like posting it on like twitter like hey uh this is just this is just up that is so <laughs> that's so interesting especially when uh fun- funimation's like no it's just even toei like toei's like ip lackeys like are really aggressive Absolutely. so that's interesting yeah it's, it was it was wild um <laughs> but yeah, yeah so th- they want to single me out here <laughs> Because I saw <laughs> Dragon Ball Super in 4DX. Um, Ooh. I think I've spoken about watching things in 4DX previously. Uh, I've seen The Matrix and Indiana Jones and the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark in 4DX. Um, oh. Those were both <laughs> wild experiences. Um, pretty much any time I go out to see a movie now, it's in 4DX just because that's just... It's an experience, right? Happens, like yeah. it is, yeah. For those of you who don't know what that is, um, it is the thing where you're in a seat that rocks around, and sometimes they'll flash lights at you. Sometimes they'll uh, like do smoke in the theater, uh, and sometimes they will squirt water at you. So I did see super superhero in that, and uh, it was it was a legitimately violent experience on my body. Um, within the first moments of that. Uh, uh, me and my friend that I went to with it were just thrown around like, like, like a, like a wet doll, like just shifting and shooting around. Smoke was flying everywhere because people were constantly crashing into mountains. You know, uh, I, I think, oh, yeah. I think the seats we were in, uh, didn't get the water, which was a bit unfortunate. I didn't get splashed. <laughs> Not in the splash zone. I was very ready for it. Like, there was a moment where uh, someone gets, like, knocked into a lake. And I just remember, like, as they were flying towards the lake, I was just like, uh, like, I, I I just said out loud, oh, boy. <laughs> and then we didn't get splashed. So that was a little oh, bit of a disappointment. Okay. Um, it was, it was, it was very funny. Um, after, again, like, it was very immediate that they were throwing us around and uh yeah yeah a dude did stand up after the first bit of jostling and walked out and did not come back um <laughs> did not want to fuck with that I, I i i respect i respect it um yeah i i, I would not recommend to go see a movie in 4dx <laughs> 
unless maybe you've seen it already because it is pretty distracting i will admit like maybe if it's something like dragon ball where you're just like oh hey this is goofy you don't have to think about it too much and i had seen the matrix already so that was fine but i'm pro I, I, I don't know i probably don't have to rewatch raiders either especially because like there were just like a few action scenes and it wasn't too much but god i'm just imagining like something that is very action heavy but also has a lot of story at the same time that seems like an absolute disaster uh yeah like me like if i had seen the matrix for the first time in that way that would have been that would have been a really bad way to watch it um yeah i i suppose pick and choose pick and choose um but also if you have back problems don't do it <laughs> because yeah I that's was... sort of been what's kept me away <laughs> Yeah, I, don't do it. Uh, I was sore the entire rest of, the, like, the entire next day at work. Uh, it was, it was like, <laughs> legit. Yeah, like, fucking, the movie starts, uh. the movie starts with, like, a short bit where they, like, talk about how Goku took down the Red Ribbon Army, and then there's, like, another little bit of, like, Piccolo training with uh, Gohan and Videl's daughter, Pan, for, like, a hot minute, and... Like, just, just this, like, short little training montage of, like, Pan, like, running around and Piccolo, like, running around with her. And just, like, boom, 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 It was just nuts. It was fucking nuts. The movie is good. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, how about the movie itself? Yeah, Maverick. Oh, yeah. Like, Maverick, what did you, what did you, what did you think of that a lot? That was a certified five bags of popcorn, let me tell you what. Wowie. I mean, I I would say I'm a fan of Dragon Ball, but there is definitely a way that the series as it is now presents itself that sometimes I'm kind of just like, alright, if we're doing this, what like I... The the joke is that Dragon Ball Super Superhero is a movie for the Goku and or sorry for the Gohan and Piccolo fans, and mm -hmm. they're not wrong. Like I especially I, Piccolo, I say, especially like oh such a good movie for Piccolo, but also just like I feel like I had heard about it where originally you know. Uh, Akira Toriyama wanted to go ahead with this version of Dragon Ball that would focus on Gohan next, but then due to popularity polls and like pressure from the editor, instead wanted to like find a way to you know keep Goku still there, which led into the way that the Buu saga kind of fell. And ultimately, it's like with the way some of Super has felt, where it's sort of just like you see Goku and Vegeta more or less like climbing into a higher plane of existence at this point <laughs> but in a way that's just like so like beyond what that original little like journey to the west parody was it's kind of just like man I, I wish i had more time with these other characters or these people that like do seem cool but because of the fact that and again like Goku is perfect. Goku was in Fortnite. Vegeta is perfect. Vegeta was in Fortnite. They're great characters. It's just sort of like you we have hit a plateau on where exactly they can be in terms of their own development like 
they have both lived and died multiple times at this point. <laughs> and we know the people that they are now. Mm-hmm. So to be able to have a movie that literally just says, oh, we're not going to bring them in because we're going to focus on other people. And, you know, they really hammer the point in like, oh, yeah, Gohan seems like he can be strong if he like applied himself to it. And Piccolo just being like, yeah, if he ever bothered, but he's too busy being a nerd. Which is fine. <laughs> like, I think ultimately, too, like, I used to be very, like, no, let um, Gohan separate himself from the generational trauma of having to be a warrior. Let him just be in his studies. I, I've at least softened to this, to what this movie presents is more just, like, you know, still be focused on the profession and the path and like scholarship that you've like provided for yourself because that is where you actually feel content still put like, you know, get, get back into the habit of training every now and again. Why not? Like your daughter is going to be super powered to shit. Just guide her in that whole experience. Why not? Mm-hmm. The new characters were also fun. I think Charles Martinet did a really good job as Magenta like just really having a good old performance and that's like the the fact that bringing back the reddit ribbon army brought in this level of comedy that i feel has been absent for a minute and i know super brings it back in like pieces more or less but it was good to just see ultimately you know with the threat of some other stuff coming by, everything else was sort of just like, all right, we're just going to play along. We're going to just have a good time. Like, <laughs> the fact that Piccolo is just in the middle of, like, kidnapping Pan, but then <laughs> d- due to her own, like, ability to just sense energy at this point, because, like, the more the less sane and more human you have, the more fucked you are, I guess. Like, she's just cracked. But... um. Being able to just go like, okay, so I need you to pretend to be like you're kidnapped while we go ahead and like take care of this stuff. So then that way your dad uh, has an excuse to fight again. Like, <laughs> just letting the audience know, oh no, there, there's a little bit of stakes, but we're just having fun here right now. I also appreciated that. Yeah, shit goes, shit goes hard at the end. Uh, won't spoil it, but God... Yeah, the the stakes <laughs> do get high, and it, it's a lot of fun. Um, the three D is also good. Like the CG is, it looks good. Effective. Yeah, it, it's you know, like I I wouldn't say it looks as as gorgeous as Broly did, but yeah, I was it, gonna say Broly mm-hmm. Broly did that stuff too. So, I mean, like th- this whole movie is in is in three D. Like it's all mm-hmm. it's all three D animation, and it looks it looks really good. Like I would not be upset if they just straight up like did like you know if because because. The Dragon Ball Super manga is still going, and, yeah. you know, I don't know if that is fully canon or not, because, you know, they have, like, a whole nother, like, arc that they haven't, like, animated yet. You know, they could do another, like, season of the show, or they could do an, a movie or two based on it. Um, but, like, I wouldn't be upset if it looked like that. Like, if they were like, yeah, here, let's do this 3D, because maybe, maybe it might be, like, a little bit more cost-effective to do it in 3D. But if it looked anywhere, like, like even maybe, like, a step or, t- like, a step down, like, just a step down, 
That wouldn't be that bad. It would probably be like, you know, uh, um, I mean, they, they, they might have to get the, uh, the, the, the folks that do B-Stars to make sure it doesn't look like doo-doo brown. But like, you know, there's, there's fucking, there, there's hope here. There's hope here for something like this. For a movie that, like, is also just, like, this passing of the torch from Akira Toriyama to, like, his son, which I also didn't realize, like, this is now uh, his son's, like, uh, foray into just, like, what the direction of Dragon Ball is going to look like, which, love to have themes, not just in my media, <laughs> but also then, like, reflect real life. Uh, I-, I think it's a good standing end. I don't know, like, people that are like, oh, you can't translate uh, Dragon Ball to 3D, it's gonna look so bad. Like, Toriyama designs have been tested for years now to be effective in 3D. Mm-hmm. Like, look at the Dragon Quest. The millions of video games showed yeah. out, yeah. <laughs> well, look at Tobol number nine. <laughs> uh, but no, like, and look at every, like, 3D Dragon Ball. Like, there is a way that you do it, and I think... They've done in a way where it also is just showing the level of like prowess that Toei does have as a studio when it comes to just like being able to have a consistent budget. And I think now that they are willing to put more into having that consistent budget, mm-hmm. that should hopefully reflect in whatever comes out in the future. I still need to see Broly with my my friend who is a huge Dragon Ball sicko that I've known for years. He he saw Broly like four times in theaters or something. Yeah. Fucking blame him. Broly's very good. Yeah, and I've just been like, okay, I know you'll watch it at any time, but I want to give you like a a little bit of a break. Broly just was great because it was in like a pa- for me at least it was in like a packed theater and so everybody was just popping off about what was going on on screen speaking of what's no, i don't actually think this has anything to do with the screen um <laughs> lv what is yes. going on what do you want to talk about here you have to, you have a couple options we can go with i was sure. going to just go into the idol one but also i am curious about this other thing whatever you feel Wing like quick not really a screen but photos um, so a frame of sorts, right? If that yeah, there you go. Tr- <laughs> so Link Quick, um, this was something that actually came out uh, maybe a year ago, actually, like maybe two years ago at this point, technically, um, in terms of like for counting, quantifying anime seasons. Um, Link, Quick, Link Quick is a duangha, so uh, a Chinese anime. Um, and only recently did Crunchyroll actually now acquire it um, and distribute it as of this month. Um, and uh, I've seen the first half of it. So it's about like five to 11 episodes total. Um, I think it's not based on anything. I think it legitimately is an original piece of animation. Um, because I, I, from my understanding, like like other, other Zhuanghua um, are usually based on like a webtoon of some sort. You know, or like you know, like a novel previously, or you know, some other source. At least, at least recent ones um, that I noticed that seem to be following the trend of like, you know, similar to Korean um, animation that it's like based on like a web, you know, like a web comic or a web novel. In this case, no, it's an original piece of animation, so it's like considered a web anime of sorts because I think it initially debuted on Billy Billy, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know the Chinese, uh, which is a Chinese video streaming platform that also streams various series on there officially um 
And yeah, I, I quite like it. I'm really impressed by it. I think especially compared to other Donghuai scene where they're all like wuxia. Uh, <laughs> they're all like fantasy. And like, oh, yeah. here's something that's actually like a contemporary, you know, which again, I get, it's like a popular genre in like Chinese dramas and Chinese media. And, and very much so for like very queer reasons, you know, there's like a lot of pride in th- that, those those classical aesthetics, you know, it, you know. Um, and there's like a lot of, gr- you know, there's a lot of tropes associated with that, you know, romance, etc. Basically, isekai too um, is, is very, like, isekai, the Chinese equivalent of isekai is like very popular to just insert into wuxia um, as of recently. But Link Link is about these two guys who run a photo studio. Um, and, but it's also kind of a front where they actually uh, also solve mysteries. Um, you know, and maybe mysteries is not the correct word, word. but I also don't want to say they solve problems because they kind of don't quite do that to you because the problems kind of keep going. <laughs> but like, but they have the ability to um, essentially go into a photo someone brings into them to explore what happened in that photo. Um, so they're like a duo. One of them, he, um, one of them, he. He, he, he basically body jumps into the photographer's body who took that specific photo. So he literally kind of transports into that place and time. And the other person kind of has like preemptive kind of tele... I don't know, a te- like, I don't know what's the right word. He has kind of foresight into knowing what's supposed to happen next and, ha- and is able to specifically remember all those memories lost associated with that photo. And it's really cool because, you know, within like a couple episodes too, they actually show even digital photos count. So you can jump into a smartphone. Anything counts. If it's a photo, like a taken photo, not necessarily, as far as I know, illustrated photos, no. But like actually a photo, something that's categorized as a photo, it, you, you, they can j- time jump into it. Um, and what they do is they're trying to basically answer, you know, questions people have. Like say one of the it, at one of the episodes, it literally is like they're trying to find like some sort of secret to some sort of scandal because they want to take vengeance against like this company, you know, like this company that, you know, mistreated them, etc. Or rather that has wronged someone, you know, so it's a whole thing. So it's not necessarily like straightforward and, ans- you know, question to answer, but it's they're trying to uncover some sort of lost piece of information that is key to helping someone out in some way. Um, they have a whole thing where jumping into the photo is not an isolated bubble of time. Um, It really actually is. You are jumping into that point in time and can potentially change the timeline, like, you know, whatever situation you're in. So they got to be very careful about it. And that's why the person with the foresight, the other guy who's staying in the present day, um, has to be very strict about dictating what should be done next, you know? Like, they literally have to follow the script. But of course, they run into that moral dilemma, you know, not that long after. As with any time travel, like, event altering a story, you know, like, oh, shit, I can change things, you know? Like, you know, feeling like you got, you know, like, oh, shit, this is bad, etc. Like, it it was very... um, like, first episode alone was very, like, wow. Like, you know, they, they really go into it, you know, just to say it clear, because it's the first episode. But, like, you know, they, you know, um, they, they're experiencing, like, this woman. You know, they're in the body of a woman, and they, like, experience basically sexual harassment. Um, you know, like, in trying to confront, like, the situation going on at her, like, pretty shitty workplace, etc. Um, 
and it's like an interesting like kind of chipping away at this at you know at the at the t- at this duo over like you know what you know what are we doing you know is there you know can we do more than what we're being asked for etc and like those are some of the moral questions that are being asked etc um throughout the series um you know and again they have like the one girl like you know you can you look at the series and it's like oh okay yeah there's like an obvious bl subtext here probably more than subtext let's be honest but then you have the one girl who's just there too because they need that one girl to be there i don't know <laughs> but she's also the kind of the, the the tertiary person who's just there as like the straight uh, straight man so to speak who's always also checking in on them um, you know, she's also kind of the person helping to, like, she's kind of like their landlady, too. She's, like, the person who's helping, like, helping keep up their front as a photo studio and doing their marketing, etc. Be like, yeah, okay, we're not doing anything sus here, obviously. Um, you know, the last, you know, like, where I end, where, which is basically, um, again, halfway through the series, which reminds me, actually, the series is, like, only 11, 12 episodes, but they consider five episodes one season, which is interesting. Um, but... From where I end, like, yeah, there's like, it ends on a cliffhanger note over, like, you know, whether or not someone finds out they're doing some sort of, like, supernatural stuff over here, you know? It's, it's, again, they're not openly advertising to their clientele over, like, yeah, we can do this, like, kind of crazy shit for you. Do you, do you want us to time hop and, like, help you out with something? Like, no, they, they are seen as a regular photo studio that does regular photo studio things. And it, again, it's one of those things where they depend on rumors and people just going if they know if they know, you know, kind of, again, kind of like, yeah, again, classical archetype of like, oh yeah, there's the secret magic shop, you know, if you know, you know, like, like, you know, triple X holic, you know, like, if you know about, you know, Yuko, the witch, time witch, you, you go to her, but if you, or like, again, the whole thing where like, people don't know why they're going there, there seems to be some sort of otherworldly influence that leads them there for some reason. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's, 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 it's a beautifully illustrated uh, series. Uh, I the animation is really good. I, I think it ca- you know kind of captures this particular art style that's very. I don't know how to describe it. Like there's this very particular aesthetic and like, um, like Korean you know like in Korean and Chinese like art style illustrations um, that you know it's it's not quite it is it is similar to this art style of like you know like Japanese art but there's something about it that is very distinct in its own quality in its own way. Um, and they captured it really well, where, like, every frame, if you were to pause, it feels like a very solid illustration on its own accord. And it's just captured really well. I'm, I'm not sure what the studio... I think... I, I feel like the studio that... Oh, okay. This this particular studio has done To Be Heroine before, which which was, less, which was like... Um, which also was kind of, like, a recognizable deal back then, a couple years ago, in regards to, like... I guess the first right. emergence yes, of like Chinese anime, yeah. yeah, Chinese anime and like being known outside of like outside of you know China um, and being distributed outside of China, and yeah, no, yeah, but yeah, overall the production quality is really good. Banging music, banging theme song, ED. It's it's very salty years, and it's a shame it's so short. You know, I, I definitely wish to see more of it. It's definitely something that I think can stand as like something that is a very um, anthologic thing where, like, again, with the premise it has, like, I can see different stories being explored per episode. Um, for sure, though, it has that, like, it's rocky points where <laughs> the last three episodes out of the five were just the same story. Like, they, like, you know, similar to kind of our, our, um, our, our different opinions about, like, how Rakugu kind of stretched out in ways it didn't need to encircle the drain. It kind of did that, too. It's like, what? It, it, it stretched out one story across three episodes for some reason. Like, <laughs> And it didn't need to do that, but it very much felt like the case of like, hey, we're testing the waters. We don't want to like, you know, 
throw in everything in there or 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 i imagine so maybe it was like a series too again if this was an entirely original series i imagine too there might be just the whole like again issue of like oh shit we didn't write enough and we gotta stretch it out or we're kind of making it up as we go along sort of thing mm-hmm. um as it was being you know televised you know, not, not televised because it's not too but yeah as it was being um published online and streamed online but overall, like it, it's it's very good and it's a very promising. I think, um, not future because that's that's very incorrect to say. Like, no, Chinese animation has been very good for like a long time, if not longer. And a lot it's of people, just like, finally getting out there. Yeah, no, it's finally getting out there, and people don't realize like anime has been probably. I don't know about anime in particular, but there's been like a lot of sources of animation that has been outsourced to China, and people don't think about that or don't realize that or know that. Um, but it's it's. I'm glad it's finally like getting more distribution outside of like it, the limited venues it previously previously was in yeah um and just in particular again it's nice that it stands out amongst like kind of like a saturated genre of like again like wuxia and kind of like more yeah. mainstream chinese genre like romance and stuff like more conventional romance dramas and what have you um and but it, it and uh, yeah, and I've been definitely trying to seek out more of like Dong Hua, um in general, but it's it's always tricky. They're like kind of all over the place. Like again, this is on Crunchyroll, and I'm sure you can probably find like a subtitled version on Billy Billy. I watched the English dub version on Crunchyroll, and it was very good. It was actually really good. It was a lot of VAs I don't recognize, like in this generation of new voice actors coming into anime dubbing, and you know they pronounce the they pronounce the names correctly. Thank God, yeah. <laughs> very good direction. Like thank God, it felt very good. Yeah, acting was very good. Um, but it's kind of, yeah, I, I think the distribution of, like, Dongwa is just kind of a mess right now. Like, I, again, like, I think I have alluded to where I saw something, was, what was it, was on VR, but I saw something on one, like, one of the, you know, one of the big anime platforms, and, like, I was like, oh, this is cute, and it's called Kitchen Princess, so I, so if I'm saying this, someone has to know about it, it's another Dongwa, and it's about a girl who gets isekai'd. Uh, to, like, I don't know what, like, you know, like, an ancient, you know, like, ancient early era in China. And, yeah, her whole, her whole feat is that she's a fucking good cook. She's, like, an excellent cook. So she impresses the prince or noble, I don't know exactly, but that's kind of the vague plot, I remember, the synopsis. Um, and, yeah, you know how that goes. It's like a romance, shenanigans, maybe drama, right? Because she's an outsider from the modern world, right? Um, and I'm like, okay, I'll start this. This sounds cute. Um... And it's like the second season. Where is the first? The first season is missing for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what's Uh-oh. going. Like, and it's like that with a lot of these shows. Like, it's kind of scattered across the winds. And that you know, and again, in the situation where Link Click again, that's the name of the series, Link Click. Like, it only appears on Crunchyroll now when it actually came out last year. Um, so. I don't, I, I'm sure there's like a lot of issues yeah, with that I, stuff. Like, like, like I feel like there's a jillion AV studios in China alone, and there's so many licensing hells they have to. You know, I don't know. Yeah, there could, it could be stuff like that I, <laughs> with how big the country and region is, and the discrepancies between stuff that is also probably unfortunately sociopolitically influenced, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, my so but my, yeah, <laughs> my old roommate was watching a lot of. Uh, k-drama and uh they moved on to chinese dramas eventually Uh and seeing the way that even just subtitles are treated to an extent Mm -hmm. of like a lot of episodes will just have like almost simul subs of like people who are just writing the subs as the episode aired in real time and then they're just absolutely awful 
like just really uh-huh. bad just for a lot of the stuff and then like some they go back and fix but not all of them and right. like it's, yeah, um, it's, a, it's a real yeah, mess he- like heaven's official blessing is a real big one right now because it's it's gay and people love that right so <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's uh yeah, but like but like heaven yeah and it's, it's also good it's also good it's it's good and gay so don't get don't <laughs> not try to water it down to reduce it to that but like um heaven the I think it's, like, on different platforms. Because, again, it's also super popular now. But, like, I've seen it on um, Funimation. And I feel like I have not seen the full version of it, technically. Even though it says that's a complete... See, there was something about the last episode I've seen that did not feel like a finale. Yet, that's, like, what I saw on Funimation. Um, which, I guess, I guess they have some sort of, you know, legal... I don't know. I feel like... Yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird. It's, like... They're just all spotty and in different directions. And, and, and yeah, now that you're bringing that up, too, I felt like the way it was subtitled was also a little odd. It felt like the subtitles ended before the characters were finished speaking. Yeah, a lot of that. <laughs> a lot it's of not, that. It's not consistent right now as to, like, how people are... How, how distributors know how to, like, work the, this particular genre of animation now for some reason. But, yeah. As I mentioned, it could be tons of factors, uh, as I alluded to. Yeah. Um... You know, talking about subtitles, that gives me a good opportunity to, to a good lead in transition. Uh, John, you only watched one episode of this, but I watched five episodes of Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Yeah, you blew through the Cyberpunk. You're, you're yeah, it's a fucking Imaishi work. I do this every time. <laughs> like, it's. You don't. Trigger doesn't make that much shit. Like, honestly, though, like, Trigger's main team does not make that much stuff. It was so. that first episode was really solid. I am going to continue to watch more. Like this is yeah, it's fun. First episode. Yeah, so fun. this yeah, so this is the Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven anime that was announced like two years ago, three years ago, or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it is being done by Studio Trigger, like I said, directed by uh, uh, Hiroyuki Imaishi. I can never pronounce that correctly. Uh, who did Gurren Lagan, Kill a Kill, stuff like that. Um, and it has music by Akira Yamaoka, which I had forgotten until the first mm-hmm. episode. And then I was like, oh, it sure is. Um, yeah, this is a really... I don't know if, like... like I, I, I'm enjoying it a lot more than I enjoyed actual Cyberpunk 2077. Because Obviously. it feels like it... Yeah, I mean, low bar. Yeah, low bar. But it's like, it really is... When people when Cyberpunk 2077 came out, people obviously complained like the nature of Cyberpunk as a medium. It's supposed to be this like critique, this criticism, this like analysis of culture. And I don't think that has ever necessarily been true, realistically, but it was a valid complaint to have, you know, wanting something more. Mm-hmm. Um but this is like doing classical cyberpunk stuff of we're going to address the social issues and stuff like that in a small, like little minor ways. But ultimately, we're here for the aesthetics and what we can fool around with, like, in terms of tools and, like, constructs. Um, And I think it's having so much more fun than that video game. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just the way that they fool around with, like, decking stuff, like, 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 hacking and, like, the mods and, like, yeah, it's... They're using a lot of like direct stuff from the game, but taking it in a much more fun, fun and deliberate direction. Um, I 
think so far if i have one complaint it's that it's definitely trigger finally getting the chance to not make something for tv so they're just allowed to fall into their worst habits in some ways of like just super sexualized and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because i think that is the source material right Mm. but it is still like i don't need to see breasts all the time right like like they're, they're, it's it's only there for a little bit in the first episode but there are multiple times where it's like oh damn you you guys really liked in that second girl in Lagan movie when you could draw the nipples on the ladies <laughs> didn't you because it's Ooh, it's well. very much like all you're seeing a lot mm-hmm. of nipples a lot of like just stuff like or again that. accounting for the game that has like sex yeah and it's a lot of that. like oh we could do that yeah now? And, and just yeah. the type of jokes too like very <laughs> right, of ooh, that okay. gta style sure. like i'm going to make Edgy. a jerk off motion like absolutely yeah very and forced i don't think it's that bad or anything but when, mm-hmm. when, I, when i'm saying it was a good it's transition a carrot, for though. subtitles the dub is going all in on the um did you watch it sub to john i watched the dub you watched it dubbed? Okay. Mm-hmm. The dub's going all in on the, like, cyberpunk way of talking, right? With Choom and everything and stuff mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> oh, God. The wing. And the Japanese dub is not. <laughs> so I'm watching the Japanese dub, but it has the dub titles, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is really funny to hear them just say, like, Ine, and it says, is that right, you fucking Choom, or something like that? Mm-hmm. It's just, like, <laughs> it's really... T- it's really it's a bizarre choice. It's like I, I get where it's they're coming from, but it, it feels um, very. Uh, it, it sounds like it's like that uh, pro Z D. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know what you're talking <laughs> about. Yeah, yeah. Fucker, <laughs> you were my absolutely, Nakama, and nothing yeah. changes that you fucking bitch. Yeah, it's exactly like that. It really is that energy of Sasuke like, saying slurs. Yeah, just like the Forze oh, translation for Common Rider, where they just constantly <laughs> say the R slur all the time. <laughs> like, the yeah, slur, but in the way that it's like, oh no, you are definitely someone that knew how people talked in 2010, which is yeah, yeah. even more aggravating <laughs> about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, like from a production standpoint this looks like the best of trigger stuff like that. This looks like this has the great animation of kill a kill. Like a lot of like a lot of work put into the backgrounds. Like Maverick, you did the joke of like, does it look like it could be the background to a synth wave track or something? But like literally like the amount of detail put into all this stuff. Like I would say it's better than the game in that regard. Like just, and obviously that's because they don't have to render a model of it. Right. But it's like, it really is like so much detail. Like they put the fucking UI from the game in when people are talking to each other over the phone. They mm-hmm. put the fucking like like open world text box in the top left phone call <laughs> UI from the game there, and it's like God, it's pretty good. I'm not gonna lie, it's good. Like it's just the entire time I was watching it, I was like, this is really good, and I like this a lot. The music's great too. A lot of licensed tracks and stuff like that. Um, like the fucking opening is a Franz Ferdinand song, <laughs> but um, it was like uh, the um, the thing it kept making me think of was imagine if an, a game that was good got an anime this good, <laughs> like this this well considered and everything. Because I'm just thinking about how Near Automata is coming out like in a couple months, and like how bad that'll be. 
as like just like a very by the numbers like we're making an anime adaptation like like all the tales of anime and stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's just like god it would own if they made like a dragon quest anime where they have to open up the fucking menu for something or something as a joke like just something like just that consistency of world right Mm -hmm. like this this representation I, i that's the stuff i love in games and stuff and just seeing it here is really good I'm curious to see how it ends up going. I'm curious to see what angles from the game they end up taking. This seems to be taking place like around the same time as the game. I mean, I guess it could take place at any time, but the the old the the milf is there. She mm-hmm. was in one of the episodes um, in the background. But um, the thing that stands out to me here extremely is just that Imaishi has like three ways he can interpret men and women. It's like men can either be a cool edgy dude mm-hmm. uh, the nicest uh the the nicest man you've ever met optional very large and c just sex criminal <laughs> and then for like women it's just like edgy really mean and stupid <laughs> and it's these just like you have are really <laughs> yeah yeah these are the splat fest <laughs> getting crazy with it i would love that i think it'd be better than the splat fest they just announced which is like a really insane one mm-hmm. whatever it's big like, man chooses i'm going with it and if he's playing <laughs> i'm playing cards at the island i was thinking of that tweet that's like all the yeah, options are the that same manta ray's all, that manta ray's always right yeah, it's just, Whatever, it's just, like, I don't even play this game. <laughs> I saw him and I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just big man says Fortnite every time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tries to do like the dance with it, his, his fin. Oh, it's so good. Oh, God. Think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Um, but big, but yeah, cyberpunk. <laughs> Put big. I, I, there's a lot of. There is a big man. Like I said, like all of those types are represented. <laughs> is what I'm getting across. Like yeah. they have. They have all of them. Um, the thing I also like. I like I said, they're having fun with the cyberpunk aesthetic. Like when they're putting cyberware on people, it's not just like fucking Bato, right? Which is kind of what Cyberpunk 2077 the game was limited to. Mm-hmm. Bato from Ghost in the Shell, just like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah, you have a cyber jaw and some eyes or something. Like, oh, your that, eyes look a little. That's weird. That's crazy. <laughs> and like here, it's like people have like Doctor Octopus arms. People have oh, like s- like visible spines that like have guns right. attached to it, and like <laughs> uh-huh. the fucking like there's like a dude with really long arms. One of the main villains has three eyes on the right side of his face, like. It's all just having fun with it. Like it's, it feels a lot more like open and like, just just having fun, just having fun with the punk part of things. And they say cyberpunk a lot, at least in the uh, Japanese dub, in a way that I really like. Um, it feels just a lot more fun, <laughs> which I guess it's probably mm-hmm. just because they had years to make it, and cyberpunk was crunch hell, right? But mm-hmm. it's like yeah it, it it is nice to have something good i i don't know obviously all the way through yet but it is nice to have something good come out of this in the end like at least something that is remotely enjoyable but yeah that's all out on netflix right now uh you can go check it out it's it's, it's 10 episodes it's only 10 episodes yeah um so it's sh- pretty short and nice Maverick, we are also um, 
I watched both of these shows that you I mean all three of these shows I guess realistically <laughs> I don't know if there's 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 one you'd rather talk about over the other here uh I think two of these are still consistent like Licorice Recoil Call of the Night still consistent they have about what two or one episode each I, I forget yeah. if Call of the Night is 12 I think Call of the Night is 12 yeah honestly they are like we'll talk about it by the next time that we're having an episode i do not foresee them shitting the bed at the end of this if you haven't seen them already go watch them they are perfectly worth your time licorice recoil i will say is probably my original anime of like the year at this point it's pretty good i for me i have a couple issues um it mostly comes down to like this. I would rather have seen this as a movie. Um, I think this would have worked a lot. Like I think it, it's the pacing is really good for an episodic thing. But when it comes down to like the story they're trying to tell and the like what what they're swinging for, the level they're swinging at, I, I think an action just straight up having an action movie would have maybe been a little better. Yeah, I can um, see that. And it, I mainly say that because otherwise I would want this to be a core and a half core series of like a lot more filler in the first 12 episodes and then this last arc as like a six episode thing or something um yeah i could see that i i think again for what it wants to do and for what it like feasibly could do it definitely does a lot to just i don't it, it manages to at least stick to a solid landing or stick to a consistency there are two episodes left on it. I have no idea how they could go still. Yeah. But I am, I have like my other complaint is definitely with just one very specific thing, which is that I am worried about how they're going to treat the licorice situation of it as an entity only because that last episode had a real nihilistic view of people. I yeah. think. Yeah. Like very specifically that to, to give you guys the, the an idea it was basically like that there was a situation where like the main dude put guns randomly around the city or whatever with the intent like oh I'm going to give it to the populace and then they'll cause chaos or whatever mm-hmm. and then like as part of his later plan he's like hi revealed that these licorice are secret police basically or whatever they they're all high school girls or whatever and they they've been killing people this whole time to make peace happen. And then, like, it just cuts to this, like, girl in the middle of the crowd and everyone's staring at her because they realize that she's, like, a secret police person. hmm And then this, like, normal businessman just goes, oh, my God, and pulls out one of the guns that that dude gave out or whatever uh-huh. and just shoots her instantly. Just like, a <laughs> 17-year-old girl. Like, okay. And it's just, like, yeah. th- 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 there's a couple other things about that. It's just, like, very, like, oh, you think people are just evil, evil. <laughs> like, I... Mm-hmm. It just—I don't even think that was the case. I think it was just like I said. It's very action movie ideology, and yeah. I yeah. think they're hitting too—they're trying to hit too high for what they want to actually say. With a lot of the subject matter, I think they're—they're they're, they're, especially right now. <laughs> I think where it's like that dude had a gun and he just used it for that very specific purpose. You know, like it's very weird discussion point that they definitely did not foresee having to deal with but definitely should have been something that made them go hmm right i mean yeah you're not wrong i will say like it 
again, gun conversations are kind of weird, or they are at least yeah. different in um, parts of the world where there is at least actual gun legislature, and so something like this is sort of like a high-stake situation in the fact that, like, oh, you've brought over... And, you know, not to say that, like, oh, 100% none of this ever, like, bleeds over, but the the level of accessibility is the thing here that is sort of, like, um, focused in on yeah. the fact that, like, oh, no, I am literally just cherry-picking locations for you to have a much more active situation uh, to, like, provide yourself in. That said, I hope that they end it with um, uh, Chisato gets the uh, the doohickey, and that's how she gets Majima. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be good, yeah. But, um, you know, f- uh, no, just I- highlighting those because of the fact that they are still ongoing, but honestly, like, yeah. every time we've brought them up, they've just been good. Definitely, yeah, and and I've watched more of Call of the Night now. I'm on like episode five or something like that, and I definitely like it a lot. I think that you were completely right in everything you said about it. I, I agree, basically completely. So not much new to add. Fair enough. Uh, latest episode was fun. It was in a maid cafe. I've seen pictures of, of this. I I think just what really stuck out to me is just the animation and presentation is just so good in that show. Like, yeah. it, they're really putting their all into it. They really are, but, uh, no, I think the thing that, like, uh, we could definitely focus a little bit more on is just the fact that new common Rider started. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, common Rider Geats, which is the Battle Royale themed, as we, we've talked about a little before, when it was Ooh. in the lead-up. Um, really interesting break from, I think, the standard Rider format for the last few seasons, at least of like unclear who the main character is like it's, it's very ensemble casty because i mean that, that it's battle royale right so you, you kind of have to do that but it's yeah, uh like yeah you basically have what is the title writer so to say but um whereas the last few have definitely been more like focused on one writer and then maybe secondary characters or you know, the whole, like, there is always an ensemble, but here it harkens back to uh, Ryuki in terms of this is a death game, this is a battle game, like, they aren't necessarily fighting each other, but, so the whole setup is you have these uh, entities, these creatures that are manifesting around the earth. Um, I totally forgot what their name the Django, i think other names but um uh yeah i think so yeah sort of just like it it feels like you know interplanetary or interdimensional invasive species and so this unnamed organization sets up the desire grand prix a um death game with the focus on taking out as many uh, Django as uh, they Jamato. That's it, Jamato. Jamato. Yeah, right. I don't. Yep. Because I, it's yeah, it's like Virgil's sword that I <laughs> forgot. Exactly the Jamato and the Jamato. Uh, the Jamato. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Jamato are invading, and 
it's sort of like an attempt to call the numbers and reduce them so that um, there is world peace. But basically, whoever wins this game gets the opportunity to wish for whatever world they can think of. And so we are introduced to... In the first episode, we sort of just see not the main writer, but just someone who is like sort of going through life in this very wishy-washy, like, oh, I just hope everybody gets along. Like, I want to wish for world peace and whatnot. And that's sort of where we start at um, with uh, Sakurai. And sort of just like kind of all over the place, not knowing how to like take care of things. And uh, he's talking to his girlfriend where where all of a sudden the Jamato attack and it's like end game. The world is being invaded. Everything is going down south and he doesn't know how to process anything. And in the middle of all this, he ends up um, getting acquainted with the actual common writer Geats, uh, Ace Ukio. His first name is Ace, yes. Uh, <laughs> and the way that, like, it's a very interesting dynamic where you kind of just see a writer at their, like, top form, like, end game scenario, where a part of it, too, is since they are taking a lot of inspiration from Battle Royale games, you kind of just see, you know, oh, he's got his loadout set up so that not only does he have his weapon, which is like the Magnum uh, clip for the belt, which gives him the iconic look in the show, but then you also see, you know, oh, my Rider Kick is like a special one-time use case that I can like activate if I can find the right item for it. And this is how he's able to get things set up. In the next episode is where we actually get sort of like this reset because he wishes for um, an ideal world because he wins the whole game. But then part of that recycles... Uh, a new game basically comes up. Like it's a perpetual game that's coming through. And in this new crop of writers, you have Sakurai come up. You also have... A few other writers, some that were formerly there, some that come up sort of as just like a... Uh, we don't really know what they're about yet, but they all each get their own writer belt, and um, we learn very quickly in the second episode, Sakurai is very naive, because Ace is not necessarily a good person. Like, it's unclear. <laughs> this is a character type that people are like, I think, correctly like um, making connections to, that showed up in Common Rider Kabuto, where that main character is someone who basically like took the writer belt from who the person that was supposed to have it, because in his own words, he's just like walking the path to heaven. And that's his whole deal as just, like, this very affluent individual. It's funny that this comes up next to Don Brothers, where uh, Momo Itaro <laughs> is just destined to be the, um, a, like, just perfect at everything, no matter what. And people fucking hate it. <laughs> It's very funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with uh, Kamen Rider Kamuto, uh, walking the path to heaven to rule everything, because I am justice. Like, 
Just this person who is not caring at all about what other people are doing, but then still wanting... like His just world is like, you know, a place where children don't have to worry, or whatever. Or no, that's his lie that he tells Sakurai to, like, to let him have, like, the power weapon or the power move for, like, uh, the round. But then we see, like, later on, oh, no, like, um, this thing that you were able to do, you know, turns out to be uh, fantastic for the suffering child. And then we get a glimpse of, like, maybe a greater plot of someone just being like, what's your game, Eisukio? What are you getting at with these wins? And it's a lot that it throws at you. But I think it's re- it's also just refreshing in a way. Yeah, I I think I especially because like I think Kiryu is like a little less this, but definitely a lot in the last like eight years or so of writers of just like the super nice guy who solves every problem. Um, that it's nice to have someone still solving problems, like not being an actively a villain, but just sort of an asshole about it. Yeah. Um, I also the, the suit design here is, is, is probably the most fun part to me. He basically has like two, he has an upper and a bottom part and he can just swap them out. Sort of like how like build was, was left and right. Right. Like this dude is top and bottom and they're having a lot of fun with the different ways that you do that. Like, Oh, he put the fire one on his feet. So now he runs fast and fucking blasts himself around stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And like, it's, fun to find out that like oh no all of the uh like all of the belts work like that more or less yeah like uh, yeah all of them so it'll be interesting to see how where they go with that and also just the fact that like um they set it up like battle royale style so like each time you do your drop you know you have your commons uncommons rares epics legendaries like the uh one other writer who's sort of like the asshole of the group, common writer Buffa. Like his whole deal is that, you know, he he does have the motif to him, but sort of like the um, I the the iconic look, like the full gear that he gets is also a like one time use instance that has to come up if you're like getting it on the map, which I think is like interesting because otherwise it's sort of these. You know, basic black suit designs with a, like, animal-themed helmet. But then other than that, it's sort of just based on what items you get per uh, round and whether or not you keep those, which... Very Battle Royale. (laughs) Very Battle Royale, which... But in a way that, like, it feels like somebody did actually, like, spend some time, like, researching the subject... So that they could best replicate it in a way that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I have like some issues with the secondary writers like being sort of like a nothing character so far, but we'll, there's we'll, fifty episodes. Yeah, there's fifty episodes. We're on episode two. Like and, if uh, I there's a lot of time to go. If I'm to believe anything, I feel like we're gonna see more than one repetition of this cycle. Like, this is not going to be the only, like, uh, Battle Royale round that we see. Yeah, I have to assume that will be the case. 
I'm very curious to see how they handle time loops and stuff like that, basically. Um, yeah, um, that's Common Rider, folks. It's, I feel like we'll probably have a firmer handle on it in like episode 20 or something. I think we'll probably be like the one where we go, all right, I get what's going on. It's a strong Um, standing, I gotta say. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Yeah, you finished Phantom of the Idol, LV. We can. I have. Yeah, it has done. Bit. It has done. Has finished. Um, and I think it's one of the few series that actually has finished. Like, a, like some of the other series need like a couple more. Yeah, there's a couple weeks. A couple left, more weeks. Like. This one ended at a solid ten, a solid well, one zero right. somehow. Seeing a lot um, of those recently, honestly. Yeah, like uh oh. Um, perhaps like that one episode difference makes like a huge. I don't know. Like, don't, they don't have to, like, stretch it out or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, a, a little, you know, just solid, solid 10. Um, that said, yeah, overall, I thought this was a very fun, not hilarious series, but it was certainly funny. I chuckled. I I, I, I laughed harder at points I didn't realize I would. Uh, um, I'm surprised, yeah, it's just, it has a very lukewarm response. But I, I get it, too. I, I get, like, the idol, making fun of idols stuff has been just a thing um (laughs) long and drawn out um i think this is a series that very much i think uh it's less about someone who knows what they talk like about the industry but more so someone who probably actually is a fan of idols and like is very much in that culture and that like community of fandom and is at least familiar with that so they're probably speaking from that perspective at least um but not really not some not really someone who probably knows the ins and outs of the industry for sure and like this is again not a serious series this is a comedy series so it's not going to explore like all that other stuff um you know just to reiterate this is a series about um this idol duo one of them just one of them fucking hates his job um one of them for some reason uh, sticks around because he's like, you know, I wanted to become an idol for, you know, fame, fortune, etc. I didn't realize it's so demanding. Um, a couple years ago, a- another idol, she sadly passed away in an accident, and then he meets her ghost uh, backstage one day, and she realizes, oh my gosh, I probably haven't passed on because I still have unfinished business. I still need to f- finish my idol duties that I didn't quite do when my career abruptly ended when I died so she just they just discover like oh my gosh she can just possess his body she could just possess this man's body so she does like most of the legwork for him in a lot of ways he didn't um and it's very apparent to a lot of people were like oh your personality is different you even sound a little different um but that's like essentially the the bit and and thankfully it's, it's they don't keep resorting to that every episode they actually explore other things they explore other characters like i was concerned maybe that was just going to be a tired bit but no they, there's actually like a little more to it um some you know some fun explorations of like the fangirls and in such a way that again like which is why i'm thinking this person who made it probably is someone who's speaking from experience as someone who like actually enjoys like I- idols and like is a fan um, of perhaps a group or an artist um where you know they have this very good like well-rounded group of fangirls that are recurring characters who um are fans of the the main characters duo who are deeply not unpopular but they're certainly not as big compared to um this other group mentioned okay for for one their group is named zings zings like bazinga zings 
Um, the other group mentioned is called Seagrass. They don't explain what that, that means. Sounds and like, like an idol name. <laughs> this sounds like an idol name made up in an anime. Um, and no, and it's it's a really funny thing. They have a really funny thing with them where like they're they're arguing with the fans of Seagrass over like how insecure they are like they're kind of like in shock that zings is suddenly getting popular ever since you know like they start uh, picking up you know like they're kind of like overwhelmed by the fact that their group is like what we're like they're getting bigger we actually have more merchandise to buy from them that they're actually caring about you know it's it's like a really funny thing um that they're going through and and and, and they have like good points of reference where like not all of them is just like a, a rabid fangirl stereotype i think like they have a good balance of like oh, okay Showing that, like, yeah, they have a reason to be, like, happy and, like, passionate about the things they're into, while also balancing kind of, like, um, those kind of jokes you commonly see about when it comes to these things. Um, overall, you know, and, and overall, I do enjoy it. Um, and, and I enjoy kind of, like, the weird, like, twists they have where actually, yeah, one of the other idol characters is, like, into this, you know, into the main character and stuff. And that was, like, an interesting twist on that. Um it's definitely, like, a nice, lighthearted watch. It's not something you really need to, like, sit down and well. But, like, I, I do recommend it. And I, I think it's, like, still an ongoing manga, too, as well. Um, because the way it ends, too, is very open-ended. Um, and, and, and not in a way where it doesn't feel like things feel resolved, but it's certainly, like, oh, okay. It's not, like, anything conclusive happens. So I think more can come out of it. And I, I'd, I'd be excited to watch more of it. Because I feel like there was, like, a lot of untapped parts and other characters that they didn't go into as much. Um, I also love how the main character is, like, just an asshole and actually is a character who doesn't really grow until the very end episode two or three they do a whole like fake out where like you know the ghost girl is like oh my gosh you did so much like at the end of the episode they're like you did so much i don't i don't need to be here anymore i'm just gonna leave you bye and then he's like no i fucking need to depend on you i need like like after he outright says the word depend like like fully like leans on and on the joke like he is dependent on her and it's fucking bad like you know bad and etc but there is like a natural progression he eventually goes into but i enjoyed how like they really stuck around like this character is actually a bad person and is not willing to grow and is depending on like a literally fucking dead person to do his work um so that was like kind of funny yeah, and over yeah, it's just a fun show. That said, this again, this is a show that doesn't have like a huge budget because again, it's a show about gags and not like prestige like Sakuga amazing sequence. This is the sh- this is the worst like dance sequences I've ever seen, which is a, such a disgrace and shame for a show about idols. Um, again, goes back to our conspiracy theory of like, is there like a three D software program that's holding Lost You as hostage where they have to make them use it? like, in their shows and show that they're using it because, I don't know, something bad will happen. They didn't need to have the, like, Miku Miku Dance is pretty good. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know if I've seen anyone, I'm pretty sure people are still using it and I feel like the software has since improved. But, like, come somehow, the the, the, the idle dance sequences for the songs and stuff were, like, worse than that I quality. I know, right? It was, it was I, like, I feel that way every happening? time I see one. Like, every, every time I see a CGI dance sequence, I'm just like, you it's could like, just what? use no MD, like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so much better. And it's like there was, but it was like it's so jarring. Like, like it cuts to it, and then you're like, "What? That doesn't look like the same show." Yeah. <laughs> the light is yeah, every yeah. I can't emphasize enough how bad it looks. It's just really jarring. I much rather just you know I get it. Like anime and dance sequences are hard and awful, and like especially for a series that doesn't have like a lot of like stakes put into it. We're like, oh, it's not a love live. It's not a multi yeah. franchise where you're like willing to animate these sequences. 
and take their time with it and put a lot of budget into it so they can be like extracted and extrapolated like music videos to sell this you know like this is a this is a series where they're like okay this might be just a short-term thing we're not going to put a lot into it for sure but i'd much rather have them just like do like a series of stills i'm okay we just do whatever stupid just editing like, yeah. bullshit yeah not not something it that is, is extremely so jarringly much. obvious yeah. yeah absolutely absolutely um so there you go. That's that's one series down from this past season for me. Uh, <laughs> I had forgotten like until like you got like a good like two minutes into talking about it, like which show this was from the beginning of the season. I'm like, oh yes, I remember all of this now. I remember yeah. it all. Phantom of the Idol. Phantom of the Idol. <laughs> but what a name. Yeah. Um It's categorized as a shoujo, the manga, so I'm like, what does that mean? I don't that know. Is, um I feel like it's so broad at this stage yeah literally anything. yeah if it's absolutely. not shonen then that's at least one distinction <laughs> yeah. but even then like what does shonen mean nowadays too mm-hmm. um i miss ruri dragon i miss ruri dragon too oh oh <laughs> yeah we watched like whatever there was some episode of some common writer or something that was about like a writer being overworked or something and then we we're just thinking mm-hmm. like i think me and my girlfriend simultaneously went oh ruri dragon <laughs> like, yeah uh, um speaking of works related stuff there's one last thing we can talk about john what the okay. fuck happened to uncle so yeah, uh, you know, I haven't really been watching too many other shows. You know, like I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting caught up on stuff, it feels like, which is nice. But um, Uncle from Another World was the only show that I was watching from the current season, and uh, shit just went down real bad there. Um, this is a, 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 a culmination, I feel, of how anime is made. Uh, it, it, the, the, the way the, the workers issues where people are, you know, making a, a full on fucking animated show in like a week per episode and delivering it right as it's about to air. Uh, it's, there have been interviews coming out about this show that, uh, they are severely understaffed and they can't find people to help work with them. And a big reason of that is COVID because, uh, right around, I think, when, like, episode three aired, there was an announcement that, like, COVID just, like, swept through their animation studio, and they're just having more and more trouble getting people to come back and work on the show, and, you know, like, I, th- I think this is just yet another reason to not want to release a show until it's, until it's done. Like there, yeah, there's, there's, they're definitely there's, yeah yeah i'm just i'm just thinking about you know how there's more stories like if i remember correctly i think Mo- i think they're airing mob um now in this coming season and they finished it early they finished it like a few months ago and yeah it was the same thing with like the first season of dragon maid i remember was the big thing like people were saying like wow like you can just do that there's no reason not to. There's there's literally no reason not to. It's yeah. It, it's healthier for everyone involved. It, yep, it makes better work. It makes like like even for like stuff that wouldn't isn't necessarily like the best quality shit in the world, like the mid isekai and stuff like that. Like that shit's going to look a little better when it's like not last minute. 
I mean, I'm, I, I honestly, I do feel like part of the reason is to try to drive D- Blu-ray and DVD sales because there's so many times where they can straight up like a market. This is the version that you the want better to watch version because yeah. this is actually finished. <laughs> um, which is which is bullshit. Which is absolute bullshit. And yeah, should not be how art should be treated. It should be, you know, they should allow <laughs> allow them to actually create the thing they want to create. Yeah, we. I think there needs to be a reckoning there. I know some. It's. I know some of that's happening right now. I know there's been a lot of talk about like studios combining and stuff like that. I mean, like the whole thing with Wit Studios merger, right? Recently, was that whole thing like them saying they want to try to solve issues like this that are happening at Mappa and stuff, right? But we'll see because people have made such great grand claims before. Mm-hmm. I know that there are at least also, like, attempts by, like, specific studios trying to, like, uh, figure stuff out or, like, make alternative, um, like, opportunities. It's a lot. Yeah. It's it's just so weird to think about, like, Kiyoani years and years ago being like, yeah, we figured out that we should finish it. Mm -hmm. And then, like, way beforehand and just, like no one catching on to that and i mean i also just wonder like you know we know a lot about just the japanese style of animation production in a way it feels at points more solvent than like what it feels like here in the states yeah Mm. which is wild to think about it's I don't know. It's, there, there is so much to, much to think about with the medium of <laughs> animation. Absolutely, it's very frustrating. And yeah, like you know, there is this selfish thought of just, damn, I really wish that this show was still coming out. But like, yeah, damn, like I, I would not have to think that if the if the workers were treated better because they would have fucking finished it before they aired it, and like you know, they could have delayed it if something happened. But now they're on like the second time that they've had to restart showing the series because it's coming back in November now. Like they're just they're just like like a few weeks ago they were like yeah we're gonna show episode one and two, and then now they're like yeah now we're showing episode one this week two next week like they're going up to where they were, and that's just that that that's a that's stupid that's just stupid it's dumb it's very dumb very 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 dumb. I think that about does it, though. Um, thank you all for talking about Rakugo with me. I'm glad that I picked that because I was happy to watch it. It felt like a good... I wouldn't say like the most like like the ultra-cerebral watch or anything, but it was definitely like <laughs> that, nice to have something to think about in that way uh, compared to some of the stuff we've watched recently. With anime, you got a grade on a curve, and I would say it definitely is on the higher end of that curve. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so next time we're doing a patron pick, mm. um, we are doing Flowers of Evil, which is on High Dive. I went and looked it up. Okay. Crunchyroll, eh, my fucking favorite thing in the world where Crunchyroll is the number one search result. You go to the Crunchyroll, they have a page and they have little tabs and for like all the dubs and stuff. And it's all empty. Gotta love it. Wow. You gotta <laughs> love it every single fucking time. But yeah, it's on High Dive. So you can find it over there. Mm-hmm. I think only subbed i'm pretty sure but eh. mm-hmm. um 
yeah, we're going to watch that. Um, as always, patreon.com plush VGCC, $3 gets you all of our stuff that we make locked behind the Patreon one week early. Um, we just put this out and I know I say it every time, but for real, we will take like infinite amounts of recommendations just because it is fun to every, every other month when we get to that point where it's like, all right, time for the patron pick. And we, we, when we have a bunch of options, it's a lot more fun to just like bounce around Mm -hmm. and see what the vibe is. Mm -hmm. So like definitely, yeah, I, something like flowers of evil, which will be probably disturbing in a lot of ways. So just psychological trigger warnings out there um i definitely would not watch it if that were not for this but i think something like this would be very important to just you know just kind of see everything out there yeah yeah Uh, something that's really different compared to what i might usually watch yeah which is Uh, and and we were talking about yeah yeah, we were talking about how like you know we probably wouldn't have seen some things and realized oh like something uh if it were not for this kind of system we got going on here yeah but also we might not like things you know i'm sometimes we don't i wonder what i want yeah i wonder what all of our visceral opinions will be about this pretty charged series yeah yeah (laughs) in time rocked over too uh yeah because i think about like in the past like there's been stuff that we don't necessarily like all the way like i remember me and john with angel beats right (laughs) oh yeah oh no yeah graffiti some stuff like that and (laughs) yeah but it's like then we like you know there's a lot of stuff that like we wouldn't have watched otherwise like you know we want i finally watched ping pong fucking love that like yeah oh yeah yeah other stuff like see finally seeing paranoia agent and things like that and getting to think about it like re- really really fun stuff um and i love it it's great that's you gotta love it um but yeah like literally don't feel bad about sending in multiple requests because of that like like we we don't mind having options <laughs> like for real um but yeah that will just about do it thank you all for joining me and uh we'll see you next time on another episode of unlimited Railworks. works